Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Join us as we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer questions to help people with kidney disease or a transplant live well. Over the past year, NKF advocates have won a number of policy campaigns, both in Congress and state capitals across the country. While these victories will improve the lives of kidney patients nationwide, we are not done yet. We need every voice for kidney health to join the fight to ensure that we are heard across the country. In this episode, we discussed some recent wins and our upcoming challenges for the kidney advocate community with Jeff Curry, a Connecticut state representative and kidney transplant recipient, and Armand Halter, an NKF patient advocate who helped lead NKF's efforts to pass the Connecticut version of the Living Donor Protection Act. Hello, and welcome to another episode of NKF's Hot Topics in Kidney Health. My name is Lauren Drew, and I'm the Director of Congressional Relations here at NKF, and I will be your host today as we take a look at the Living Donor Protection Act and talk a bit about how to be a successful advocate. The National Kidney Foundation just launched a new platform for the kidney community to get involved in advocacy. Uh, It's called Voices for Kidney Health, but many patients don't really know what being involved in advocacy actually means on the ground. What do you do? How does it work? So we're hoping to break this down for them today. Armand, you are a patient and a longtime uh, well-known NKF advocate. Can you talk a little about what first inspired you to to get involved in advocacy and how, how did you really begin your journey? Well, first of all, I had some time on my hands and I wanted to give back. I've been a transplant recipient doing very well. So I decided to contact NKF. I was intrigued by the PEERS program and I volunteered for that in the fall of 2018. But they had already conducted the training that year and they offered me to go to the kidney summit if I wanted to as an advocate. I said, sure. I was nervous at first because I had done lobbying in Washington before, but I was responsible for all the materials and so forth and the numbers, the quad slide, all of that. But it wasn't like that. I mean, what what we're doing as a kidney advocate is telling our story. Each story is different. What were your uh, problems? How long were you on dialysis? Uh, What was unique about yours? The other materials and the points that we were lobbying for really came to us. They were handed to us by NKF. They had the handouts. I, I was really uh, pretty impressed. That was the, that would be the summit in 2019. Organized, it was comfortable. You're having a conversation with your, your representative or senator. So you just jumped right in with both feet going to the uh, then in-person Kidney Patient Summits, we, we still do them. They've been virtual the past couple of times we've done them for, for COVID-19 protection, but that's great that you just jumped right in with uh, both feet. So what kind of policy changes would you like to see made then, either on the state or the federal level, um, either things that you currently worked on or things you'd like uh, the Connecticut or the federal uh, legislature to take up that would really help kidney patients? We'd really like to see a Living Donor Protection Act passed on the national level. We got involved in Connecticut two years ago simply because we were frustrated with the national inaction. And then COVID hit, and that kind of stopped the voting process last year. And fortunately, this year, we moved moved forward, made, made some word changes, enabled us to get the endorsement from the insurance group in Connecticut. Then we got Jeff Curry involved, or he got himself involved, and the bill was expanded. 
Yeah. So as far as like the changes, I think that we'd like to see a lot of it, I think, is around information and education. I think that's first and foremost um, to be able to provide the tools necessary for uh, people to be able to have the conversations that they need to have for kidney patients, whether that's with their friends, their families, their loved ones, um, and especially their health providers. So we need to kind of find a way to get ahead of the issue for something that sometimes becomes so overwhelming for people, both emotionally, physically, and even financially. And uh, the creation of the Chronic Kidney Disease Advisory Council, which I, I think we'll go into later on um, in this conversation, but that's definitely, hopefully going to be an important piece uh, of what we're going to do here in Connecticut. Definitely. So let's let's dive in then a little bit to specifically the Living Donor Protection Act and the enactment in Connecticut, how that worked, what it looked like, as you were both central to ensuring the passage of, uh, it was H.R. 6387 in Connecticut, which was the Living Donor Protection Act and, as you mentioned, the Kidney Disease Advisory Council. How did you get involved in this effort? Where, where does it start? What was the process? Um, and just tell us a little bit more as well about specifically what the bill does in terms of how the LDPA works and how the Kidney Disease Advisory Council works. We started 2019 to get organized, and uh, we had help from a lobbyist within Connecticut that was identified to us by uh, NKF, and we got a list of other advocates we hadn't met before, and lo and behold, two of the advocates had already approached Senator Slap in West Hartford regarding a Living Donor Protection Act. They felt strongly about them. Both of those women were uh, donors themselves. And uh, he handed it off to Tammy Exum from West Hartford, who took the ball running and we, and we had a bill assembled that fall. We met with leadership in the House and the Senate. There was some wordsmithing that needed to be done. One negative comment from the insurance lobbying group but I still think we had the votes to pass that year. And then we all shut down to go yeah. on our uh, COVID holiday. Past fall, a year ago, we uh, reached out to the insurance group, confirmed which words we had to change, and, and then the session started. Lo and behold, there was a bill introduced by uh, Representative Curry, Senator Anwar, Tammy Exum. I think there was a total of four. They go into the insurance committee and boom, out pops a single one. We started the ball rolling. And then the idea of an advisory council came up. We met with uh, Representative Curry since we thought somebody young and a jet energetic recipient in the, in the legislature could be easily conned, I mean, convinced to become the chairman and uh, organize it and, and move forward. So that's really where we. We are now. I mean, the bill does protect living donors against discrimination for life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance. You know, in its charter, it's looking at education, uh, early detection and treatment, transplantation as a first option. These are all things that are near and dear to, to any kidney patient. And I will say this, you know, I hope that screening becomes a big part of it because screening is not expensive. Years ago, it was done all the time as a recommended part of your physical. It got deleted because Medicare dropped coverage for it. So that's uh, it could be a national issue coming up. I'd like to see what we can do in Connecticut to uh, bring back screening. Most of us don't know or didn't know that we had kidney disease and that it was failing until, in my case, it was all gone. You know, I was down to less than 10% functionality. So. So what I'm hearing also from you is that it was really important for the advocates to identify members like um, Representative Curry, who 
were, you know, either personally invested or already interested and, and kind of primed to take on an issue like that. I don't know, Representative Curry, if you want to pick up from your perspective. Yeah, so I, I was aware that this had come up in 2020. And at that point, it wasn't as personal as it became. Um, and I knew that Tammy Exum had this going. And, you know, she's a fierce advocate for this and her and Senator Slap, um, along with, you know, tremendous advocates like Armand. And we're, we're going to be able to get this done. And as you said, you know, we shut down due to Miss Rona and her nasty virus. So we got kind of all parted ways, uh, knowing full well we were going to come back and give this another shot. In the 2021 session, uh, there was no question that this was going to make it over uh, the finish line. You know, we worked closely with the insurance committee. We were able to get that out of there. I also chair uh, what's called the screening committee. And so essentially every bill out of every committee winds up on my desk for review and for recommendation to the speaker for uh, further passage. So once that was on my desk, I mean, there was no question that that was going to move forward to say, uh, we need to do this. Um, it also you know, helped that uh, the president of the Senate had a kidney transplant himself uh, back in 2016, I believe. So uh, it, it was a very personal story for both chambers um, uh, here at the Capitol in Hartford. And so with regards to the legislation itself, uh, what, what was once a House bill, in case anybody is, is doing some Googling, is now Public Act 21-156. Uh, and so, yeah, so once it's signed by the governor, it's given that designation. And so anybody can look that up now. Uh, as Armand said, you know, the Living Donor Protection Act really provides that uh, protection for folks who are going to step up and, you know, essentially give that gift of life and help save someone. And I, I can't imagine, you know, my donor doing what she did and then being penalized for that later on. It just makes no sense. And, and when you have that conversation with people, it, it essentially is a no-brainer for them as well. The good thing about this is that it's worked into the legislation that if an insurer is found to actually be violating this, um, it would be considered a QIPA violation, uh, which is the Connecticut Unfair Insurance Practice. And the uh, penalties for that could be fines, you know, revocations or suspensions of license. Um, and even possible restitution for the aggrieved. Uh, so I think we, we did a really nice job in really tailoring that part of it. With regards to the Chronic Kidney um, Disease Advisory Committee, um, I think this is just a, a, an example. And Armand and, and his team approached me on this. And Armand, thank you very much. Someone who just turned 42, still being called young. Definitely appreciate that. It's all um, a matter of perspective, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I still feel like a dopey 18-year-old all the time. So it's okay. It's amazing I get to do what I get I've to do. I've seen your videos. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the, the committee itself is going to be made up of about 21 members. That's legislative colleagues. That's experts in the field. Um, the people really with a perspective that are going to be able to sit around that table and really dive into this particular issue. And what we were going to focus on will be, you know, increasing awareness around CKD and developing health education programs. Uh, we're going to use scientific research um, that's going to reduce the burden of kidney disease on the states. Uh, we're going to promote preventative screenings, as Armand said, and, you know, hopefully utilize social media and different kinds of public relations campaigns to really get that message out. Uh, to folks around the state. We're also going to, as Armand said, talk about transplantation as a preferred option for CKD. Uh, and we really want to also take a look at the racial disparities that exist in the rates of those afflicted by CKD. I think it's very important uh, that we're taking that lens and, and really looking at uh, marginalized populations and how they're disproportionately impacted and what we can do to really get that messaging into communities such as those. And, you know, finally, one of the things that we're going to have to do is develop some sort of a cost-effective, I mean, I it, 
I hate that we have to talk money when we're talking things like this, but it, it comes down to dollars and cents sometimes. So we're going to have to really develop that plan for how we're going to implement those strategies on a statewide basis so we can kind of continue that conversation um, of those uh, objectives that I previously stated. So that flows really well into my next question. People might be aware that federal policymaking usually takes years. You guys um, worked so quickly in Connecticut um, in terms of getting this introduced, getting it passed. You know, we're already talking about implementation. But I did notice, you know, you had a little bit of a challenge, not only with coronavirus, but also uh, working with the insurance companies. Can you talk a little bit about what some challenges people could face when they're trying to uh, pass a bill on the state level and, and what you faced when you were working on this bill? The biggest thing, obviously, for a Living Donor Protection Act, since we're talking about insurance discrimination, is what will the insurance law be? How will they react to it? And we almost had perfect wording. There was one word change that we needed to do. Fortunately, one of our advocates that was working with us, uh, she had a position of vice president within an insurance company, and she pointed right to that word. And then we met with the lobbyists when, on the day that we testified. We said, well, we'll work to, uh, to modify it to, to satisfy them. It really became an easy process after, well, after COVID. <laughs> We're very fortunate, you know, in Connecticut, especially, you know, we're, we're the insurance capital of the world in Hartford here. So it's kind of very near and dear to many of our hearts. And we're fortunate that we have lobbyists who recognize when there's something missing, um, and with especially with regards to discrimination, regardless of the community that it's impacting. And so I think, you know, they were always very willing and ready to get something like this done, just to wanted to be sure that it, the language was on point and you know, we needed to just basically, you know, cross those T's, dot those I's and make sure everybody was on the same page. Definitely. So what I'm hearing um, from you, Armand, is that it's really important to use that advocate network because you don't know what expertise you might have. Someone is a kidney patient, but they might also be an insurance expert or they might also have other skills that can yeah. be really helpful in yeah. passing yeah. a bill. What do you think is maybe a common misconception about advocacy and policy change, and how how would you correct uh, that misconception that people might have? I, th I think the the biggest misconception that I had getting into it, I knew what the points were that we were going to make with our legislators when I went down to Washington, but I didn't realize that the presentation materials and and the fact sheets were going to be given to me. So I had spent a lot of time. This is not the first rodeo. I've been down there and all those facts and stuff I had to put together. I had to put together the slide and slides and, and so on. And like you say, you only have like five minutes, if you're lucky, to make your point and get, uh, get on with it. So the support was really there. So that surprised me. I could take all the stuff I brought with me and throw it away, but not the ideas. Yeah, if you can tell your story, everything else will be given to you. And more than likely, somebody in your group that you go around with will have a story that fits one thing. I mean, at one of the virtual summits that I attended later, we had somebody who uh, we were trying to push through the immuno bill in Congress. She was the poster child for it. She had uh, gotten her transplant in New York in 2017. She had come off of uh, Social Security, Medicare, I mean in January of 2020, then COVID hit in February 2020, then she was furloughed in March 2020, and she was paying for her immunosuppressants 
on her own, racking up a bill at her druggist. She was called back in, in August, but she still had those bills to pay off. And it's fairly substantial. So she she was definitely the poster child for that particular piece of legislation. So you would say that, it, you know, an advocate shouldn't feel like they have to have all of the answers. They just need mm-hmm. to have a passion and a story. And NKF kind of tries to do the rest for them. They need to have the willingness just to tell their story. It doesn't have to be as passionate. Uh, it may get there because all of a sudden you're with a group of people, each who also have a story. Things I learned down at the summer, I had never heard of Alport syndrome before. I had never uh, met a couple where the, uh, the wife had donated her kidney to her husband. And it just goes on and on. And there's a lot of moving stories and different aspects to it. It's a worthwhile experience. And Representative Curry, from your point of view, what do you think people maybe don't understand that, that you wish they did? You know, we play a lot of inside politics and it's a lot of process and, you know, the minutia of how things get things done. And I think a lot of times people get frustrated with advocacy and sometimes just don't think that it works because sometimes you have to come back time and time again to tell the same story. I mean, situations like this where we got something done in essentially no time at all um, it is not the normal story. So I, I think it, it's folks to understand that, you know, it, it's not wasted time. Um, it's not wasted on us as legislators. As Armand said, telling that story, it's really your story and that personalized story is what we all walk away with. You know, we get inundated with form emails after form emails. And I'll tell you, they essentially just get a rate because you know exactly what it's going to say. And you almost become just kind of blind and, and, and deaf to it. And so what we do remember is when somebody really gets into it. And, and if it's that story, as Armand said, you know, the husband received an organ from, from his wife. And, and it's those kind of things that at night, when you're kind of reflecting on your day, you'll go back and be like, wow, that, that's absolutely amazing. Or what else can I be doing to help? And, and it gives that extra push to legislators that they want to actually make that change that these advocates are asking. Awesome. That, that was a great answer, uh, both of you. So, now that you know, we've talked a little bit about that, hopefully we've inspired some listeners to learn a little bit more and get involved. So where can you know patients, care partners, practitioners, this isn't necessarily just limited to, to kidney patients. If someone in your family is affected or a friend or you're a practitioner, we welcome you in to the advocacy space as well. Where should they go? Uh, what should they do if they want to make a difference themselves? The easiest thing is to go contact the National Kidney Foundation poke around on their website, voices.kidney.org. Right now is uh, is new and uh, it's all there. There are always ways to find it, even the phone call. That's where it all begins. It's one step. Absolutely. And again, uh, that is voices.kidney.org. That is our uh, new um, advocacy brand. It is a part of NKF, but it is focused entirely on educating advocates, empowering advocates, making sure you all feel comfortable sharing your story, know how to do it, And our staff is super accessible. You can email us, you can call us, uh, you can tweet at us, and we will definitely get you connected, even if you're not totally sure. If you're like, I might want to do this, but I think I want to learn a little bit more, reach out and we would be happy to connect you uh, and chat with you and find out uh, what might be your speed. Not everybody, you know, wants to fly down to Washington or can 
fly down to Washington and take meetings, but we're doing a lot of things virtually these days. We have ability for people to be advocates on social media, to write letters to the editor. So whatever your advocacy flavor, we can certainly find a space for you. Um, and so we, we mentioned, you know, the importance of the advocates telling their story, but part of them telling their story is educating the legislators. I know for my own meeting, sometimes you uh, have a legislator or their staff who knows this issue very well. Maybe it's very personal to them and they, they really grab on right away. Sometimes you have to do the basics and you say, okay, well, humans have two kidneys and this is what they do. And you have to do a little bit of kidney 101. So what ideas or strategies would you all suggest work well for educating legislators? You'll find out pretty quick when you're talking to the person what they know or don't know. When I went into my representative's office, well, first of all, he wasn't there. It was just a staffer, but it wasn't just a staffer. She had a degree in public health. And what surprised me, and I guess made me feel good at the same time, we've never heard from any kidney patients before about issues. Well, it's not like it's new, okay? It's always been there. I mean, we're a little state. Yes, he represents the eastern third of Connecticut. It's a small population, right? And, you know, they said, well, when I did meet him at district meeting, he said, well, I've been to dialysis centers. Well, you can discuss peritoneal dialysis. You can, they're not necessarily aware of that. What does that mean? They're not, a, they're not aware that the immunosuppressant drugs that you take are forever. And I think that, you know, you take them for a time and then you don't need them anymore. But you know, it's amazing, you know, and it's very true what you said, kidney patients, are the experts here and they have the stories and the firsthand knowledge that you know even a staffer who you know they could be a nurse they could have a degree in public health but they haven't lived it so that education level of a patient coming in and be like let me tell you about my day let me tell you what it takes to get to dialysis do the dialysis and get home and then do it again a couple of days later let me tell you what it's like to be waiting for a transplant and you know those are those kinds of stories that Representative Curry said will stick with a legislator. And that's that's really what we want is, is the goal of those stories. Um, so Representative Curry, from your perspective as the legislator, this issue, obviously, you know a lot about from a firsthand. But what if it was an issue that was new to you? What would you recommend an advocate do that would be helpful? First and foremost, they have to build a relationship with their legislator. Everything we do here in Hartford under that dome is based on relationships. And, you know, you have to reach out. You have to ask for that meeting. Uh, Armand said he got that meeting with a staffer. Keep calling and keep requesting that meeting until you get that face-to-face -face with your actual representative. You are their boss, essentially. And so, you know, they, they answer to you and you hold them accountable. Uh, so, you know, definitely build that relationship. Really, and again, like I said, share your story personalize it, make it something that we're going to remember. Uh, and that's why it's so important to come and testify when you have the opportunity. Um, you know, I think that was one of the things that we saw um, a positive come out of the recent pandemic, the way that we did our legislative sessions is that we offered public hearings in this very manner, virtually. And sometimes we have public hearings that go for 24 hours. Now, I don't know if any of you have sat in the seats here at the Legislative Office Building in Hartford, but they are not comfortable. And so anybody who is going to sit in that chair for 23 hours to then get up and only get three minutes of time before that bell rings, yeah, they're not doing that. So, you know, it, it, it's you don't want to get up, give your speech of three minutes, hear that bell, and just be forgotten in the crowd. 
you want to be remembered and you're going to be remembered if you already have that established relationship either with your own legislator or you seek out the leadership and the committee membership of whatever committee it is um, that you're testifying in front of. In this case, it was the insurance committee. Um, and so, you know, Armand and, and the advocates did a, a fantastic job of really getting to know all of the, the key people within that committee to ensure the passage of the legislation this past year. So relationship, relationship, relationship. It's all about the relationships. Awesome. Definitely, definitely second that. And, you know, th th this bill exactly is, is a great example of how the relationships are really what helped move the bill. Sometimes a bill can be great and the advocates can be great. But if they don't build the relationship with a member of Congress to find or a member of the legislature to find that legislator that has either a personal connection or just a passion for the issue, you know, and it can take time. You know, every legislator across the country is different. Um, different states function differently as well in terms of what kind of committees they have and when they meet and when all of that happens. So you do need to look at it in your own individual state, how your own individual state works, but absolutely agree that relationships really are the foundation um, of, of democracy in general and how, how the entire process works. Yeah, because you know we're a part-time, and I use that in air quotes for anybody who's listening, legislature. Um, and so, yeah, we're only in session for a certain amount of time. So that relationship shouldn't just happen during that legislative session. That relationship should be extended year long so that you're building up to the moment you really need to put that relationship to the test. And, and you know, again, I, I think this is a, a perfect example of how that was done here in Connecticut. Now that we've talked a little bit about what you all do as an advocate, let's make it a little more personal. And how do you think that becoming an empowered advocate has also impacted your own personal experience um, in your disease process and, and your transplants? Well, it, it's become something that I'll talk about in normal day-to-day -day conversation with friends or, or what have you, whereas before it was kind of kept in the background. Nobody likes, we're all animals. If, if you're hurting or nobody wants to talk about their medical problems, unless you're in that nursing home situation and that's what they talk about but seriously it's uh to bring it up to raise it not just out of the blue but usually there's, there's some I, I wasn't hesitant to talk about it and people are surprised that uh, sometimes that i you know i used to work with 20 years ago and i run into them now still taking the drugs we didn't know if you would you would make it because you were on dialysis and uh and then you had the transplant and you were out of work for uh, six weeks and stuff like that people don't know they don't know about it. I mean, it's, uh, they think it's a, a big traumatic thing, a near death experience. Well, you have end stage something, right? <laughs> that's, that's never a great diagnosis. Fortunately, with kidney disease, there are a number of treatments that'll help you get the time that you need until you can get a transplant. Not every disease is like that. So we're lucky with regards to that, but a lot of people have it. And more people you, you talk about and they know you, that you know that you went through it and like that when they have a loved one going through it they contact you you know that happened a couple of months ago somebody called hey my my mother has been diagnosed she's going to go on dialysis and you know you start a conversation so other people are benefited it's not just you're not afraid to talk to a senator or a representative anymore but the fact that you're out there talking about it you're also talking to people in your community, neighboring towns or what have you. I mean, one of the touching things about listening to the debate in the House, this bill was being uh, discussed, 
was there's a there's a representative from East Line, a couple of towns over from me, and she uh, she gave a very impassioned speech about how she lost her husband to chronic kidney disease. And Tammy exhumed that she was involved because she had lost her mother to chronic kidney disease. There's a lot of stories. If it didn't affect you personally, uh, like myself and Representative Curry, it affected a loved one, a spouse, uh, a brother. Who knows? Representative Curry, I'll, I'll kick it over to you then. How, how do you feel like you know, you've been able to kind of take what is professional and what is personal and, and find where they meet? Yes, so I, I mean, I'm still very new to this. I mean, I definitely look to Armand for the way in which he has carried himself and the way in which he talks about this with such ease. Even though it was something that I maintained with a nephrologist for a number of years, it just was never anything beyond having to maintain. So I didn't feel at that point that I needed to really know or learn anything beyond that point. But then when I was just like thrusted into, you know, the world of, oh, hey, peekaboo, like you're at end stage and it's, you need a transplant tomorrow. It, 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 it kind of hits you and, you know, you, you work your way through that. I had a transplant on the 5th of January. I was sworn in virtually from my hospital bed on the 6th of January to begin the legislative session. And immediately, you know, that flip switches where you go from the personal to the professional. And I think the process has better educated me. It's been able to give me a whole lot more information, um, additional conversations, even like this. Like I, I take bits and pieces and will be able to have more uh, or better educated conversations with my colleagues, with my friends, with my family. Um, and so many things are now intertwined, especially given the pandemic and and the vaccinations and how it impacts people immunocompromised and, and all of those things just now coming together you know, being able to work through this process has just helped me to have those substantive conversations, but especially allowed me to become a better advocate with my own healthcare provider. You hear certain things and you pick up certain things in some of the conversations that we're having and, and you're able to have that, that dialogue with your doctor to say, you know, well, should I be doing this? And, and you know, I, I'm the best patient in the world. I literally just sit back. I, I love the doctors. Doctors tell me what to do. I do it. I, I don't usually question it, but I think something like this, not that you question, you just want to know more and you want to know why and you want to know what else can I be doing? And you take that information and you hopefully share it in a way that is going to prevent other people from kind of ultimately winding up where you are the best that you possibly can or the best they possibly can. So it, it's not a crazy balancing act. It's just you wear different hats, but they all have the same common message. For sure. And I'll add, you know, as I've been working with kidney advocates, I've noticed that sometimes when the new advocates join us, they're coming from a place of maybe a little bit of fear or trepidation. They might be newly diagnosed or, or their family member might be newly diagnosed and they might be feeling a little isolated. Like, I don't know anybody else going through this. I've never even heard of this. I'm just learning what these acronyms are. You know, and, and their head can be spinning a little bit. And I've seen them as they as they join the advocacy community, they get connected with other people, you know, could be across the country, could be just a town away, you know, that could be really close to them. And they're able to find a really supportive network of people who are going through all kinds of different types of kidney disease, genetic kidney disease, acute kidney injury, end stage, transplant, you know, all the different stages of, of what, you know, 
um, could be affecting them. And they're able to kind of come out of their shell and feel like, okay, I'm not so alone. I know people that I can ask questions of. There's people who have been through this before. Um, and NKF has a variety of different services that can provide that. But I've seen it, especially in the people who join um, our advocacy, advocacy community, our, our kidney advocacy committee. Um, and it's great to see them uh, feel like they find a community where they belong. So I, I want to begin wrapping up. Our listeners have, have given us a lot of their time, but I also want to give you both a minute to comment. Any final thoughts? What would you like uh, the listeners to know that maybe we didn't touch on or a final thought you'd like to leave them with? Anybody who's been through any kind of severe medical experience will probably tell you the same thing. Everybody has to be their own advocate. If you're not getting explanations from your doctor that you understand, keep after it. Keep, ap- keep asking the questions. Yes, they're going to get frustrated perhaps with you and like that. You got to be your own advocate. You got to speak up. And uh, some people have it hard to do. I mean, Jeff just said, you know, I'll just do what the doctor tells me and like that. But sometimes it's more complicated than that. And certainly renal disease is that way. And yes, ask the questions. Are there any one of my uh, pills that I can... Uh, cut back on? Do I need to have this? Do I need to have that? If a nephrologist is asking, you know, they want to do a, a biopsy, do I really need it? Why are we doing it like that? I had that experience. I think it was just a learning experience for the, the three trainees that they had there. And then I've uh, a dialysis patient that I know was called in to do uh, a test. It was a five hour test, basically to uh, verify how her peritoneum was working as an exchange membrane. I can't find anybody who ever been through that test themselves, be included in like that. Question it. Is it necessary? Sometimes you feel like an experiment. Sometimes you can be, and it can, it can be a, a trying experience, but there's others out there who are dealing with it, and it is not easy necessarily to go through. You can deal with it. And that does take the advocacy word uh, to a place we, we hadn't gone originally, but advocacy can be, you know, with a legislator, with a state legislator, with a federal legislator, with your own doctor, with your own community. The skills you learn in advocacy can be applicable in a myriad of different circumstances. So um, I think that's I think that's a great way to, to begin to wrap up this conversation. Representative Curry, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, just kind of following up on what Armand said, you know, if you don't fully understand the status of your own health, you cannot be afraid to speak up and ask every question that you feel you need to ask. And sometimes you may not like the answer you get. It may be an uncomfortable answer. I mean, not everything about this is going to be easy. Uh, When working through some of these issues, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be hard. It's going to be, it's going to just take an emotional toll on you. And you're not always prepared for that. So you have to be able to speak up and also know when to ask for additional help. Speaking with people, whether it's a a loved one, a professional, I mean, that that really helps you to kind of get a hold on your emotions, a better understanding of what you're being told, whether in the doctor's office or what you're reading from lab results, you know, a whole myriad of things. In addition to that, get ahead of this as much as you possibly can. I know we talked a little bit about preventative measures and and, and screenings and such. And so the more we can do that collectively, the better off that we're all going to be. And and I think just lastly, take care of yourself. You are no good to anyone else, your family, your loved ones, unless you yourself are good first. You have to be at your own personal best. So please, please, please take care of yourself first and foremost. I think that's a great place to end this lovely conversation. 
Um, thank you for Representative Curry uh, from the Connecticut State Legislature, Armand Halter, one of our best NKF advocates, uh, and congratulations on your success in passing this bill in Connecticut in what might be record time for the passage of a kidney-related bill. And for all of you for listening, thank you so much. If you are interested in learning more, we have plenty of resources available at voices.kidney.org. You can also email us at advocacy at kidney.org. Uh, and we would be happy to talk you through whether it is state legislative priorities, our federal legislative priorities. We do have a federal Living Donor Protection Act that we are actively working on and fingers crossed, we'd love to pass this Congress. We have other priorities as well, including home dialysis, addressing health disparities in transplant, providing more funding for research for CKD and kidney disease. Uh, and that's all the things NKF is working on and more. So if you have any questions, please do feel free to reach out. And I hope we've inspired you to be an advocate today. As we do in every episode, we'd like to give a shout out to someone in the kidney community who is celebrating a recent win. This episode, we want to celebrate Beth Burbridge, an NKF Kidney Advocacy Committee member and leader in Kentucky, whose tireless work earlier this year led to the passage of her state's Living Donor Protection Act. Thank you, Beth, for helping make this a win for kidney patients all across your state. We want to hear from you. Do you have comments on this episode, suggestions on future topics or guests? Is there a kidney hero in your life that you'd like to honor? Email us at nkfpodcasts at kidney.org. Make sure to subscribe, review, and share our podcast with others. Thank you again for listening. We hope you join us next time. Until then, from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.